Well, first of all, thank you for considering this. I think it's hard for a lot of people to take a step back in their careers or perceived step back, let's say, and go back to being an IC after being a leader. But you're looking at this as, hey, what can I do to make sure that I'm doing product right before I go forward? And I think sometimes we have to take a couple steps back to really accelerate. So I love that. I love that you're doing this. And I think that's really powerful. There's also a saying in Silicon Valley that I heard a lot. It's like, when you see a rocket ship, don't ask what the seat is, just get on it. And I've known a lot of people who've done exactly what you've done to go to a company that they just saw as an amazing opportunity because it was going to take off like crazy. So there's something to be said with that. There's something to be said about joining something that's awesome. And I think that's what you should really look for. You should look for a company that's going to be either your rocket ship for your career or a rocket ship in its own right. Hello, and welcome to an episode of Dear Melissa from the Product Thinking Podcast. The lines are now open, and we're ready to answer your most pressing product questions. Which prioritization framework would you recommend and why? Hi, Melissa. Do you have any suggestions on I'm developing a product strategy? Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> That's a lot of questions. All right, let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dear Melissa. Today, we've got three great questions. One around how to work with engineering leadership if you're a director of product. Another one about if safe is right for your team. And then the last one about transitioning back into an IC role at a product-led company when you've been working at a not very product-led company as a leader for a while. So we're gonna dive into that in just a minute, but I wanna remind you that if you have a question for me to answer on Dear Melissa, Go to dearmelissa.com. This is how I answer all the questions. If you do send me anything individually, I'll ask you to bring them here. So I'm looking forward to seeing what's on your mind and help get us some more ideas for guests on the podcast and what you want to hear. So any questions that are burning, don't feel like any question is a wrong question. Go over to dearmelissa.com and let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you need help with. In addition to that too, I want to remind everybody that we do have a book on product operations coming out this year. If you go to productoperations.com, you can sign up for our mailing list and it will notify you when that's live. But back to Dear Melissa, we're ready to dive in. First question, Dear Melissa, big fan of the show. I discovered your work through transitioning our organization to empowered product teams. As director of product, I've spent the last year really trying to understand what it means to be a leader for an empowered team. And I feel pretty good about my direct reports and the product teams. But what should my one-on-ones with my engineering leadership peers look like? There's still this idea in our organization that product owns all engineering capacity. And engineering leaders seem happy to sit back and let product make the calls. I find this frustrating, but don't know how to approach things differently. How do I find a partner, not an order taker? All right, we're back and we're talking about how to make engineering leadership your partner when you are a strong, empowered product leader. So, You do want engineering to be your partner. And I think one of the things is to direct the conversations. Engineering leadership might be happy to sit back and let you dictate because they don't know what types of conversations you should be having. They aren't aware that they have the power to dictate any of this, to set these goals. And in that case, just by having different conversations and by asking them different questions, I think you can get a partner to the table. So what should you be discussing with engineering leadership? You do own the priorities when it comes to really looking at, you know, feature forward work and figuring out what's going to help increase the revenue, all those different types of things. But engineering should be approaching it 
from a different perspective, right? They should be coming back at you and there should be some good tension about things like tech debt versus investment in new features, revenue and cost implications as you're scaling and you know adopting new technologies, capacity planning, scalability and security. You should be having some give and take on this. So what I'd say is maybe start with one of those things. Why don't we talk about tech debt? Everybody loves to talk about tech debt. Your engineering leaders should be saying, hey, you know, if we don't pay down X, Y, and Z tech debt right now, these are the implications. If we do pay it, de- pay it down now, we'll be able to ship features 10 times faster. Whatever those numbers are, you need to be looking at it together and then deciding as a team, do we sacrifice a little bit of short-term revenue right now to get ahead of this tech debt or is the short-term revenue implications more important at the moment? So those types of conversations are what you should be having. You should also be talking to them about the systems and the SaaS products and the tech that you have. So for instance, if you are using Amazon Web Services, which everybody is doing, you're paying monthly fees into it. And a lot of times people go, oh, that's, you know, tech costs. But that's not, that's like bottom line for the company that goes into your EBITDA, it goes into all of that stuff. The more you understand those costs associated with actually running your product, the more empowered you can be as a product leader to make more revenue and cost-based decisions and look at those financials. So I talk to them about things like that, understand the implications about if you build new features, what do those costs associated with that actually look like? Then you can actually look at also scalability and security. You want to be talking to them constantly about, hey, how far will this feature actually scale for us? Can we onboard 50,000 new people in a year or does it break? Ask those questions. That's where you're going to start to understand better about what your products and your capabilities are as you look at your roadmap. And then, of course, capacity planning. Where do we put people around? How do we make sure teams are going to work well together? How are we going to make sure that we've got enough people on the most important things that we need to work on? Those should be conversations you're having too. So I think if you are finding that the engineering leaders just seem happy to sit back, put them on the spot and ask them questions. Get in a room and start asking them questions where only they know the answers. You may be going in there saying, hey, I want them to like push back. But the way that you're actually presenting the roadmap or telling them what to do, they don't know how to push back. They don't know what questions they need to be answering that will help you as a product person. Empower them a little bit. Empower them with these types of conversations. Ask them their opinion on those things. Once you show that they do have a seat at the table when it comes to this, you might find that they're kind of rising to the occasion. But I feel like it all starts with the types of questions that you ask. So I'd really try to concentrate on those different areas that we just talked about. All right, second question. Dear Melissa, our company brought in a VP of product about six months ago and we're growing rapidly. Currently five product managers with me as director of product and more to come. This new VP of product seems to be advocating for us to adopt SAFE. Product Twitter speaks pretty prominently against it, but I want to come to the table informed and with a viable alternative. I listened to your episodes where you debate safe with Eric Willeke and now feel even more unsure of my view. Any tips on what I should study up on and propose as a right solution to process and procedure? I guess my first question for you is why safe if you only have five product managers? If you go back and actually listen to Eric's podcast, he admits that product was not well thought out and safe. The division of the product owners and the product managers is still being worked through. But he also tells us about like how safe came about. And it was for really large, large like banks, large, large companies going through digital transformations to have some more context about how to run software teams, basically. You're not in that position. You got five product managers. Safe is a lot. Safe is a lot for a company of your size. 
So my question is, why does a VP of product seem to think that safe is going to be better for a company of your size within your context? I'd actually look at your context. If you are growing rapidly and in a high growth context, what's safe going to add that a normal just like scrum cadence wouldn't? Can't you just do basic scrum and not adopt all the overhead that comes with safe? I find that in rapidly growing companies and in smaller companies like yourselves, safe is a lot. So like what usually people adopt is some kind of basic agile cadence. And I'm not saying be very dogmatic about this, but they're usually using Scrum. And then they put a discovery process on top of that to help feed in the projects. We put product operations around it to get us the information that we need. We have roadmap reviews every month or every quarter, depending on how fast you can actually ship. You just need a few things really at a company that size to bring some discipline to the team. So you're all working together. But To me, I think safe is just way too much overhead for what you guys are looking at. So what I would do is kind of study what companies do in your phase. If you go look at the companies who adopt safe, I guarantee you they're all going to be at a different context than you. They're going to be at a different stage of agile maturity. They're going to be at a different stage of software maturity. They're going to be at a different stage of growth, of scale, right? Like they're going to have tens of thousands of people out there but you're tiny. So what are companies doing that are your size? You can listen to a lot of them on the podcast. I talked to any high growth CPOs or anybody in that situation. We've talked about this on the podcast before. We've answered questions on it, but I would start by like getting a development process. And I think you could just use a very lightweight, agile process like Scrum or something. I'm not the biggest fan of Scrum or anything, but it works. It works. And as long as you're not super dogmatic about it and you make it fit you, it's totally fine. Start there. And then I would look at bringing yourself in a discovery process, make sure you got your user research in there, make sure you got your tools, prototyping, testing, all that wonderful stuff. That's pretty straightforward. I think you can have a lightweight process for that. You're going to want to make a cadence for reviewing your roadmaps and for reviewing new upcoming features and figuring out how to prioritize. You create a prioritization system. And then you need some operations around it to help with gathering data, streamlining all this stuff together, putting all your roadmaps together, talking about it through the company. But I try to roll your own process and I feel like you might be looking for something out of the box and that's why safe might be interesting to you. But you have to remember that anything that just comes out of a box is fit for purpose for maybe not your context, maybe some other context. So I really dig into why do we think safe is going to be better than us just doing something lightweight on our own that works. And then we add process as we need it. As we keep scaling and we're scaling rapidly, when something breaks, we fix it we add a new process. That's how I think you organically grow into something that works well for you. All right, last question. Dear Melissa, I've been in product and product leadership roles at a company in the middle of a digital transformation for almost 10 years. It feels like I need and want to gain experience at a more product-led company. What advice would you have for someone who's considering stepping out of leadership and back into an IC role to grow their product skill set? Well, first of all, thank you for considering this. I think it's hard for a lot of people to take a step back in their careers or perceived step back, let's say, and go back to being an IC after being a leader. But you're looking at this as, hey, what can I do to make sure that I'm doing product right before I go forward? And I think sometimes we have to take a couple steps back to really accelerate. So I love that. I love that you're doing this. And I think that's really powerful. There's also a saying in Silicon Valley that I heard a lot. It's like, when you see a rocket ship, don't ask what the seat is, just get on it. And I've known a lot of people who've done exactly what you've done to go to a company that they just saw as an amazing opportunity because it was going to take off like crazy. So 
there's something to be said with that. There's something to be said about joining something that's awesome. And I think that's what you should really look for. You should look for a company that's going to be either your rocket ship for your career or a rocket ship in its own right. And what do I mean by rocket ship for your career? Somewhere where they're doing everything so well and so high functioning that you're going to learn so much. You're going to take that with you everywhere you go in your career. So I would really hold out for the right company if you're going to do this. A high growth company is going to give you opportunities to actually ship product over and over and over again and get so many reps under your belt that you'll be able to see all the growing pains, but also like all the new features that you've shipped, you know, fixing things, you're going to be dealing with tech debt. It's just like a learning experience and high growth that comes really fast and very rapid. So I'd probably orient yourself somewhere like that. And then I'd also look for a really strong chief product officer to work under so that you can understand what good looks like, how things should work. So I definitely think about that. But then also you need to think about how you're going to sell yourself to into this IC role. I could see people interviewing you and saying things like, well, when was the last time you actually shipped a product? Or when was the last time like you got your hands dirty with this? How do you talk to them about that? How do you talk to them about knowing what to do, making sure that you will be an ad, a value add to their company and you'll be able to dive in and get your stuff done? So plan that out. Also though, on the flip side, in high growth companies, a lot of the times people end up in leadership roles because they were promoted out of IC into those roles. You may be able to help those people gain leadership skills. Sometimes larger companies, even in the middle of a digital transformation, have some really great leadership qualities in their leaders. Sometimes they don't, but sometimes they do. And you've seen that. You've seen how things function at scale. You've probably had some more policies and some more frameworks actually built out around you. And in higher growth companies, sometimes they don't have that and they need it. So you can bring some of those insights to them. Now, you don't want to shove all of those insights down their throats and you don't want to come in like guns blazing, but you want to say, I can help people who are new leaders. I've been a leader for a very long time. If they need just general leadership skills, I can coach them. We can work together. I can tell you what's worked at this company. And I'm not saying adopt all of it, but I can just bring new insights in there. I think that's very powerful too. So definitely think about selling yourself to these companies as well, because they might be a little bit skeptical if you've been in a leadership role for a while, and especially one that hasn't done product really well, that you can ship. So how do you show them that you can get in there, get your hands dirty and start shipping things immediately? Really look at that. And then also make sure that you're taking the opportunities that's going to give you the experience that you want. You leverage that, really look for a company where you think you can grow surround yourself with people who know what they're doing, and then you're going to learn really fast. And you can probably jump back into a leadership role in product at another company fairly quickly. All right, that's it for Dear Melissa this week. And again, if you have any questions for me, please go to dearmelissa.com and drop them off. If you like the Product Thinking Podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you let people know. So feel free to share this episode. Feel free to share any of the episodes that you've really liked. We love hearing feedback too. So leave us a review on anywhere that you're actually listening to this. And make sure that you subscribe as well so that we can keep you updated every Wednesday when we've got a new episode. We'll see you next time.